Hello and welcome. This is Connie Reagan Green from HugeProfitsTinyList.com with another call in the podcast series. Today my guest is Michael Berger, a humanitarian and active community leader here in Santa Clarita, California, and a fellow Rotarian. Welcome, Mike. Uh, welcome. Thank you very much, Connie. Thank you so much for doing this. You have been so active in the community, and I have been really blessed to be connected with you first through Rotary and then through, through some other organizations. And I just want to tell you that I respect you so much for everything that you do. Well, I thank you, uh, but I think the feeling is mutual. As much as you give back uh, in such a short period of time is, is remarkable. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I was Googling you a little bit uh, earlier today. Uh-oh. and um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's always the uh-oh. It's interesting how, you know, that's that's where many people turn to when they want to find more information. And I knew that you had been the man of the year here in Santa Clarita uh, the first year that I moved here, which was 2006. So that was a great achievement. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And also, you're involved with the Santa Clarita City Planning Commission on the Board of Directors of the Michael Hofflin Foundation that I'd also like to talk about a little bit more. You've been the president of the Chamber of Commerce here. You're on the community, uh, on the foundation of the College of the Canyons, our community college here. Also, you have a connection with Carousel Ranch and Child and Family Center. And I didn't realize you've been almost 30 years, is it, in Rotary? 31. You know, see, and when I look at you, Mike, I think, you know, do they allow children to join Rotary? <laughs> uh, 31 wonderful years, actually. That's that's just amazing. And, you know, for someone like myself that, you know, I, I really spent the first 50 years of my life not being very involved at all. I did a few things here and there, but I always felt that because I was working and just had so many things on my plate that I didn't have the time or the resources to help in the community and to really make a difference. But you're extremely busy. You start work at, what did you say, 5.30 in the morning? Yeah, we get here by 5.30 in the morning. And, and what is it that you do? I'm a financial consultant, uh, senior vice president with Morgan Stanley. All right, so you are you know, truly a very busy person and have act, active family and social involvement as well. How is it that you're able to do so much? Can you, you know, give us some insight into that? Well, you know, I I think it's all all started early, uh, like I said, about 31 years ago when I got involved in the community to to really, as a selfish standpoint, to really kind of build my business up. Um, got involved in the chamber and got involved in Rotary and a couple other organizations, and and then all of a sudden you realize by getting involved how much of a philanthropic uh, good feeling you get by doing this. And and you kind of set aside the business aspects, yet it comes automatically. And so, I, I you know, I tell you, I think it's just uh, the enthusiasm by being a part of an organization, starting with one and, and getting involved in others. And there's just something in, it happens in your blood. I, I can't describe it, but it's just uh, it, it's easy to, to donate when, when you're doing some good around our community. And definitely, I you know I know different projects that I've been involved in uh, with you and with other members of of Rotary. Um, there's really no feeling like that. Like for example, we had our Make a Difference Day, and we were up at Carousel Ranch, and 
you know, doing, I mean, it's really very, very menial labor what we were doing. They had a lot of trash that needed to be put into the dumpster and um, just all kinds of things there, just basic cleanup that you would have a handyman or someone else like that doing that. But you know that it's going to make it better for that uh, group, for that organization, and for the children that come there to get the, the equine therapy. And it is a fantastic feeling. It, it it's very rewarding, you know, uh, especially when you when you get your hands dirty and get involved that way. Uh, it's easy to give money, but that just doesn't. I mean, I I don't want to discourage people from doing that, but <laughs> it, it it's it's not the same as getting your hands dirty working one on one with these people. It's true, and now I understand, you know, what that because I used to feel like I didn't have the time or the money, and looking back, I now see that I definitely could have spent two or three hours a week just with my time doing something to to help a variety of groups, and I didn't jump in. You know, many of the people that will be listening to this, they're new entrepreneurs, and I'm encouraging them to get involved with their community, to do more, and also to be able to meet people such as yourself that we wouldn't normally have access to. What would your advice be for someone who's just starting out who feels like I used to feel that they really don't have the time or the money to get involved? Well, that's that's a good question because not having the money is is the the more important thing to me because I I felt you know that I I couldn't help out but what I've done in the past and it, it again it started at the chamber of commerce and and with Rotary when I got involved in an organization where you knew you could you could help out the first thing I did was I went to a couple of the board members and said, give me a list of all the different activities and board uh, that you, you have on, uh, at Rotary or, the, at, for instance, the Chamber of Commerce. And I tried to find something that I could relate to, something I could help at, something I can, I can get involved in with my hands, not my, my checkbook. And so with the Chamber of Commerce, uh, they have a, a golf tournament every year, and they also have a monthly mixer. And so I, I said, hey, how can I help out at the monthly mixer? And they said, well, we could use someone to help pick up the bar from the chamber, bring it over to the location, set it up, serve people, and bring it back. And I said, oh, that's a lot of work. But <laughs> I tried it and you know, the first month. And, uh, and then after that, I realized, holy cow, I'm behind the bar of every single person that comes into the chamber, comes there even if they get a Coke or a cocktail, whatever, they have to come to the bar. So it was a great way to meet people, and just that start by meeting people on a monthly basis, doing that easy labor, fun labor, I got to meet so many people in the community. And uh, so what? Uh, on the, another thing that I found that, you know, at the chamber I went to is the, is the golf tournament. And I can relate to that, and that was easy to do. But on the other side, Connie, there was a funny time when I went to, I was asked to go to a meeting from the legislative committee. And I went to this meeting, and I sat down, and they started talking a language. I had no clue what they were talking, you know, talking about how they can improve the, you know, the, 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 um, advocacy with the state and working on, on the different areas of transportation. And so I was just out of my world. So I, I went and I said, I can't come back here. So I stayed on, you know, on the part of working with people, working the golf tournament and finding areas that I found of interest that I could help out at. Well, I love that because I think what you're really showing us is that volunteering in a community, getting involved with different organizations is really an education in itself separate 
from any formal education that we ever do. Absolutely. And I think it's wonderful to be able to see it that way and to see those connections. And I can remember, uh, you know, being behind the bar. I guess it was it was Rotary. We were helping out with something. And I don't even know how to do drinks. That That isn't something <laughs> I'm, I'm able to do. But I could pour wine. I can tell the difference between white and red. And I can uh, serve sodas and give ice and everything. So I was helping. And um, this was, you know, when I was early on in Santa Clarita. And uh, Mayor Keller came up. And, and so I introduced myself. That was my first meeting with him. And that was really wonderful because I think it gives people, you know, in the community a chance to see who's an up-and-comer, who's new in the area, who's willing to do that that type of work that's so important that needs to be done. Exactly. And and it just you just can't be intimidated by people, uh, you know, that might be higher up on the ladder or more involved in the community. As long as you put your ego aside and ask to get involved, you you know because you know how it is at Rotary. We might have a new member that comes in, and they sit at a table and they don't get involved unless we ask them. And that's what most people think. They think that if you join an organization, people are going to ask you to be this job or take on that responsibility. They won't do that unless you show that you are interested in it. So, for your for some of your people out, I would definitely recommend that when you get on it, go in and ask, "How can I help? How can I make a difference here?" To the, and then once they find out that you're a doer, man, they're going to jump and take advantage of that, and that's the way you get involved. Yes, I mean, for example, we have a, a new member, Ashley, in, in Rotary, and she uh, came from out of state, and once she said, you know, she wanted to get involved, I waited a month or so just to kind of let her get a, get a feel for the room, so to speak, but once she said she wanted to be involved, then she's the person. When I was going to be out of town, I asked her to sit in for me as secretary, and I know other people have asked her to do things, and that way she's, she's ready to go and, and jumping right in. Oh yeah, she's a perfect example of getting involved, and she's quiet, a quiet person, you know. So it it yeah. doesn't take that outgoing personality that most people think. It, it, anybody you know who who is willing to just give back and help, and she's a perfect example of that. Yes. Well, I want to ask you just about a couple of organizations. One is the Michael Hofflin Foundation. You know, tell us a little bit about that and how you came to be involved with them. You, you'll know. On almost every, other than Rotary and Chamber, almost every organization I've been a part of, people have asked me to join. And it's all because of my experience with Rotary or Chamber or whatever. They might have seen me and said, hey, Mike is one of those kind of guys that gets out and gets his hand dirty. Maybe he can help us here in our organization. And, you know, it, it just happens automatically. If you're a worker, people, will, everybody's going to want you to be a part of their organization. So I was, uh, uh, actually, I think the reason I met uh, Chris Hofflin, which is the father of Michael Hofflin, uh, of the Michael Hofflin Foundation, we at Rotary, uh, our foundation that gives money out every year to different organizations, one year we gave out money to Michael Hofflin Foundation, and Chris Hofflin came and he spoke. And afterwards, you know, we thanked him for coming. And, and he says, Mike, I, you know, I'd like to talk to you about you getting more involved in the Michael Hofflin Foundation. And at that point, all I knew it was a, a organization, a, a cancer foundation that helped children uh, raise money for research. And so after having a, a lunch with, with Chris, I realized that this organization 
is does so much good for not only our community, does completely our community, but now they go a little bit north towards Antelope Valley and a little bit south uh, towards the San Fernando Valley because there's such a huge demand uh, to help children who have cancer and their families especially. Yes, and anytime I go to the office, you know, they always say, "Oh, she she's with Mike and Rotary." So that's <laughs> that's my connection and you know, I love helping them fill their fill their baskets uh, a couple of times a year they do that and it is a, a great great organization. Also, what about Carousel Ranch? That's where they do the the uh, equine therapy for severely disabled uh, children. How did you connect with them? You know, it's um it, they have one of their um the, the people that has been a huge owner. I, I got to know them from when I was on set on the planning commission because they couldn't find a local home for, you know, no one wanted this organization in their neighborhood. It was kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, you know, they thought they'd bring traffic, they'd bring kids, they'd too much. So it was, they came before us on the planning commission looking for a home out in Placerita Canyon, then Sand Canyon. And uh, just working with them there, I realized what a, a huge, great organization they are. Uh, saw what they did. Uh, you know, my sympathetic side of me came out and said, "God, I, I got to help these people." You know, this is—they really need their help. And you know, so that's basically how I, I kind of got involved with them a little bit. It was I, I, I saw what they needed, and you know, and they and they once they found that home uh, where they are now. And they, you know, and, and it was approved, totally approved by everybody, even the, even the neighborhood. Thank goodness. Uh, it just people, they needed a lot of help. And Rotary was there from the beginning. Uh, it's not me; it's Rotary that you know is my involvement through them. And you know, all, all this is 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 surrounded. Usually, as you know, if you get involved, you invite your friends, and Rotary's part of them, a lot of my friends. So they get they've supported 100% also. Yes, and and looking back, I mean, now I can't imagine having better neighbors than the people at Carousel Ranch with the horses and and the children. It seems like um, you know that they have very little in the way of traffic or noise <laughs> overall. So true, but people are so f- funny. If they don't understand something, don't know it, they're afraid of it. Yes, and again, yes. nobody wanted them in their neighborhood. Yes, I I agree with that. Well, you know, tell us a little bit more about the Planning Commission, what your part is or was on that, and what the vision is for Santa Clarita. Great. You know, you talk about Rotary, and, and, I, and it seems to go back to that, maybe because I started my roots in the community there, but we had uh, uh, a woman in Rotary by the name of Joanne Darcy. And mm-hmm. Joanne Darcy worked for L.A. County for many, many years, probably 30-plus years. But she became a... Uh, council person and when she was mayor um, she called me one time and and I knew her through Rotary mainly and she called me and says Mike I'd like to talk to you and I said okay and she goes I have an opening the planning commissioner that I have uh, quit had had to resign so I need somebody to come in and be a planning commissioner and uh, I'd like to talk to you about doing that so I went and met with her and and you know, sounded like a great thing. And you could provide guidance and, and uh, vision for uh, the future of our city. And so I, I, I took on that job and responsibility. Um, and it, it ended up being a very, again, very rewarding, yet very uh, difficult position because 
no matter what, you always have people on the, the on the one side that want a project and on the other side that uh, don't want the project. And so, you know, it was I I, I was appointed for three terms through three different um, council people to have this position. And some of the best uh, work that I remember, you know, comes from the planning commission would be building out parts of the city where you you know it makes a huge huge difference, like the mall or or a project like Bridgeport. Bridgeport to me was one of my favorite projects because we started stuff in there that we innovative products that we had never had in our city before. That was our first roundabout that we have that they have inside there. They have a lake, and we had to learn uh, all the stuff on on how to how do you build a lake and and have the uh, the uh, so it doesn't seep down and so it doesn't get polluted. And so we took tours down towards uh, Lake Forest and and Newport Beach down there that have a couple of lakes, and we learned that. And and then we had the struggle with. They have the Santa Clarita River that runs right through there, so we had to learn how to the river bank that, that banks right up to the to the Bridgeport. We had to learn how to to build that out through concrete underneath and then relay it down so the habitat is it doesn't get disturbed. And so it, it was really challenging but very rewarding at the end. I, I still think that's one of the best, my favorite projects in the city. Um, it, you know, you dealt with a lot of things uh, that were difficult and controversial that I look back now were very interesting, but back then we, we were so stressful. We had to hire sheriffs to come in to, to protect everybody and keep peace. Um, okay. So it, it was uh, it was a very fascinating, fun, fun, uh, fun job. Well, it's a beautiful, beautiful area over there at Bridgeport. I mean, I just sometimes I, I turn when I'm coming from Rotary, coming home, I turn into Bridgeport just to enjoy that that drive. It's only a few minutes, but I enjoy that drive. By the elementary school and the water and everything, and I come out at the other at the other side. I do that regularly, <laughs> so it's it's fully appreciated, I believe, by people who live there and people that are uh, just like me, just somewhere else in the in the community. You know, it's interesting what you said about the about the mall, and I didn't know that you had been a part of that. I used to come to Santa Clarita 20, 25 years ago when I was doing real estate, especially when I was doing appraisals. And this was an area that was so beautiful, I didn't think I ever would be able to, to live here at that time. And I can remember going by the mall, and the mall was very small. And in my mind, I felt that Santa Clarita would never be a city of great importance because the mall was just so small. And I'm not a mall person. I wasn't looking for places to go shopping. But I saw the mall as really being such an important hub in the community and that by attracting certain stores, the anchor stores and then the smaller stores, that that really gave a community status. And I didn't see that at the time. And then over the years, I saw when it started to grow. And in my mind, Santa Clarita really was lifted up by that. So I think it's amazing how people's perceptions can be related to something. You know, Connie, the, the, what I feel is the best part of that is that we have in the whole Valencia part, not Canyon Country and Osagas really, but the Valencia part is what is called a planned community. Yes. New Hall Land and Farming came up with a 25-year plan to build this out. And I have to give them so much credit because the Paseos, the mall, the open space areas, their vision of, of, of a, a, a city to me and we heard about it forever. We, the vision was unbelievable, and this mall 
as you saw, like you said, it started small, but and grew and grew. And they had plans. Uh, you know, it's still going to grow. There's still more plans for them to build out. You know, in the parking lots, one day they'll have a lot more out there. You know, as soon as they can, I know they'll get a Nordstrom's in there and top end other top end stores because we can, we have the demand for it now. Yes, and it's just beautiful to see how the planning process works so that things don't spring up overnight. Instead, it it flows and it works well with the growth of the community and uh, the way people are thinking about their vision for the community that they're living in. Absolutely. And, you know, and the nice thing about that part is that you could go to New Holland and you can do it today. New Holland owned by Lennar, but you can go to them and say, hey, show us your planned community for the 20,000 homes you're going to build on the other side of the freeway towards Piru and behind Magic Mountain. And you can see where the schools are going to be. You're going to see where the fire departments, you're going to see where the malls are and all the houses. So it's it's really nice that those type of planned communities, you know, you know what's going to happen. And, and I, I can see that, you know, Across from the mall, they still have plans of building a potential new hotel there with a convention center. That's still part of their dream. Oh, that's wonderful. I didn't know about the convention center. I wasn't staying on on top of things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mike, I've enjoyed talking to you so much. You've really shared so much insight on how it works in terms of feeling connected to a community, starting to volunteer in that community, building your business, and really enjoying life to its fullest because of everything that you're able to do. So do you have any any final words for entrepreneurs that might be listening that uh, really want to follow in, in your footsteps in one way or another? What should they do today to get started? Find a mentor. Uh, you know, find someone that uh, – and never believe that that, that – person who's involved with everybody that's so busy, never believe that he's too busy to talk to you because they love to help out. But find a mentor and, and get involved in organizations that that person's involved in. You know, Find out what, what you can do to, to, to be a part of. And like I said, most importantly is if you get involved in that community, put your ego in the back pocket and just get dirty to volunteer because that's how you're going to meet people and that's how you're going to work your way up. Thank you. Thank you. Wise, wise words. Thank you so much, Mike. Well, hey, Connie, thank you for everything you do in our community, especially uh, all your generous contributions you make to Rotary. We really appreciate that. Oh, thank you very much. All right, well, this is Connie Reagan-Green with another call in the podcast series. Be sure to visit HugeProfitsTinyList.com to, so you can subscribe to all of the calls in the series.